On today's pod, we have Steph as the host, interviewing Rita, who is a graduate student in Brian's lab, currently in the process of transferring to the PhD program. Rita reveals the surprising fact that she actually hasn't liked chemistry since the 12th grade, and it was only six months into her master's that she began to enjoy chemistry. She gives tips for how to survive school and other important skills to have, such as getting involved in non-academic things, which actually pushed her towards becoming a business owner. So please lean in and enjoy today's conversation with Rita and Steph. everybody. Welcome back to the pod. Today we have Rita, a transfer PhD in Brian's lab. Hey Rita, how's it going? Hey Steph, good. So welcome to the pod. We're really excited to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Ryerson? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you outside of group meetings. So I am a graduate student here at Ryerson. I'm in Brian's group, who you've probably heard of quite a bit on this podcast. And yeah, I'm so one of his graduate students. And I'm part of the team. I focus on researching dye-sensitized solar cells. So within our group, we do a lot of synthesis, but we also do a lot of device fabrication. And by device, I'm referring to these solar cells. And so I'm part of the device team. And at a large scale, what my project and research is looking at is how can we convert existing windows, like the ones in your home, into solar cells, specifically dye-sensitized solar cells. And so this is a really exciting application that we're looking at now and that I've been focusing on for the past year or so and will continue to be researching. Yeah, the whole solar cell window thing, that's just so interesting to me. I remember when I first joined Brian's lab and I was just this uh, little nutrition student and I walk in and he's telling me that he's doing like solar panel windows essentially. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Why has nobody done this before? So I find that really interesting that you guys are able to research that. Yeah, it's been, it's been quite fun. I really like how this project has a real real life application to it. So it has quite a bit of an entrepreneurial side because you know if you're talking about researching these solar panel windows, it's quite easy as researchers to just get stuck in this mindset of like, okay, well, this is what we need. This is what people are going to want. But realistically, if we're creating a product that has an application in all of our homes, we need to be thinking about how we're going to create it so it actually works for all of our homes. And so there's been quite a bit of an entrepreneurial side. And now I'm a part of a program called Lab to Market, where we actually are looking at the application of research. So it's a cohort of 20 graduate students at Ryerson, sorry, actually all across Eastern Canada. And what we're doing is we're basically researching how we can take our product and take it to market and actually take it to a market that's going to want to adopt it. And so it's a lot of stuff like interviewing customers and learning about things outside of research. And it's been quite a bit of fun. And to any graduate students out there who are interested in this kind of stuff, I highly encourage you to apply for the lab to market program when they do their next cohort. It's been a great experience so far. Yeah, maybe I could get the link from you and we could put that in the show notes just in case people are interested in that because that's such a great idea. You can do the research, but if you don't have the application, then it's like, that's the tough part, right? So that's really interesting. And is that a part of the science discovery zone? Like I know you play, I might be wrong, but I know you play an important role there, no? Yeah, so I have a history with the science discovery zone. So Lab to Market is a program that's actually being run federally. And so Ryerson is one of, I think, the host universities. And on the Western side of Canada, there's another university. 
And so it's kind of being run through Ryerson, but anyone across Canada can apply and you're either on, like you're in one of the two cohorts. And so it's being run through iBoost, which is another zone at Ryerson, um, not the science discovery zone. But I mean, a lot of the people that are doing this have projects that would probably fit really well in the SDZ. And in terms of my role at the SDZ, so I was one of those like 10 students that helped to create the zone. So way back when I was in second year, the idea of having a science discovery zone first was coming up and it was even called the SDZ. I think it was called the science innovation zone or something. Oh, okay, um, cool. And yeah, so the idea of having that had come up and Brian, the ringleader of all great things at Ryerson, <laughs> brought together a bunch of students and was like, you know, let's, let's take all these projects that you guys have been working on and try to create a space where we can continually help support these projects. And so we worked together for a couple of years to kind of get this going. And then in my fourth year is when the SDC actually came about to be, which was fantastic. And, um, and then after I graduated, I worked there as a project manager for a year. And then I started grad school and I just couldn't keep working there because just the time commitment was yeah. too much of grad school. And so I stopped working there, but I did TA a course that the SDZ runs called Evidence-Based Innovation. So I was a TA for that for about a year. And again, for any students that are listening, that is a fantastic course to take because it really does talk about applications outside of just science. How do you take what we're working on and what you're learning through science, but now how do you learn these entrepreneurship skills and use those in your jobs or in any sort of projects that you're working on? So I really enjoyed teeing that. And so that was my role there, but now I'm just doing grad school. Wow, that's that's so interesting though, because I didn't know that the science discovery zone was, I guess, that recent. Like I thought it had been at Ryerson mm -hmm. for a long time because I became a member in second year when Brian um we had the option to join a hackathon in our course. So I joined the science yeah. discovery zone and it's a really cool place too. And it's really interesting. Like they have, you guys used to have like these uh, socials, these Friday socials, ice cream socials or something. And yeah. you could try like different flavors of ice cream that people were making. It was just really interesting. It's a really cool space. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Was it the, ha the hackathon that you joined? Was that the food one? The oh, gosh, Yeah, yeah. The big one yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was a lot of people, yeah. right? It was like the farm to table one. Yeah, I think that's the one it oh was. Yep. Yeah, that one was really big. I remember because I used to work there then and <laughs> yeah. it took a lot of work to put on. But it, oh, was, wow. it was so fun. I really enjoyed it as well. And just seeing so many students come together. And like the greatest thing was just seeing that there's some students who are just so shy, right? And they're afraid mm -hmm. of talking in front of people and all this stuff. But they just came up with such fantastic ideas and over the course of like a couple of days, they were just able to bring these ideas to life and talk about them. And it was so cool to see it come to life. And I remember just thinking back to what we were talking about in second year, that vision for this year really did come to life. So that was quite exciting. And I miss that kind of stuff doing that now that I don't really do it anymore, but it was a good experience and I'm so glad I was a part of it. Yeah, it sounds quite amazing. I know there was lots of industry partners and it was just such an innovative way to learn and like, it was just such a great spot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about, like, where you grew up and your transition to school? Yeah, so I have spent about half my life in Toronto, half my life in Brampton. So okay. I was born in Montreal, actually. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't live there for very long. I then moved to East York. And so I lived in Toronto for about, like, 10 years and then we moved to Brampton so okay. opposite side of the city and then I lived there for since then basically yeah so that's where I grew up um, I went to high school in Brampton 
And then I decided to go to Ryerson. And when I was in high school, actually, I was trying to decide what university I wanted to go to. And originally, I really wanted to go to UFT. I got sucked into the prestige of UFT. Mm, doesn't everybody? I know, right? And I was like, oh my God. I was like to my mom, you know, if I get accepted, just buy me a cake. I just want to go so badly. And it was honestly like within the first couple of months of grade 12 when I was struggling quite a bit with my classes and not doing so well that I was just getting, I was really overwhelmed with the workload and with everything. And I just started, I remember one day, it was a Sunday night and I was like looking into universities. And I remember reading about how large UFT's class sizes are and mm-hmm. stuff. And I was just thinking about how much I'd been struggling in grade 12. And I just sat there and I was like, I just don't think I can go to UFT. I don't think I'll do well there. And I was like, I think Ryerson's the right place for me. And like, you can just remember that moment when you make that decision. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, I'm going to uh, Ryerson. And I remember that right then I put in a second application for a second program at Ryerson because originally I just applied to biomedical sciences. Okay. So then I also applied to biology because I was like, oh, I just want to secure my position. Just at in case, just yeah. in case. Because so I was like, you know, two programs, I have a better chance of getting in. And so I then applied for that one. And then, yeah, and, and shortly after I was accepted. And that was, that was quite nice. And I'm so glad I made that decision. And it, like, I'm really glad that I had the right support system, like at home to, you know, not be like, oh, you should go to UFT. It's a better university. So I'm so, so thankful for that because I probably wouldn't have had the same experience if I went to UFT and I probably wouldn't be here. And so, yeah, so then I applied to Ryerson, I got accepted to biology, and then I got accepted to the biomedical sciences program. And so I took the offer for biomed because I was really interested in biomedical sciences. Mm -hmm. And so I spent my undergrad doing that. We were actually the first cohort for biomed. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I was also the first cohort for my high school. Oh, really? Yeah, that's just what I do. I'm also the first cohort (laughs) for lab to market. And you did the SDZ and all that. So you're a first for a lot of things. You do. It sounds like you do. (laughs) But yeah, and so we were the first cohort, which was fun. I don't think it really hindered our experience or anything. (laughs) And yeah, so I actually did an undergrad in biomed, which is definitely not chemistry. Um, yeah, that's and- what I was like, what are you doing in Brian's lab then? But <laughs> you could say the same to me. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I did that. And throughout my undergrad, I, I took part in a lot of extracurricular activities. I was a part of course unions. I was a part of the Ryerson Science Society. I'd started some research challenges, helped start this SDZ, was a part of the research outreach office. And I just really enjoyed doing that stuff because I thought that, you know, after high school, I had reflected on my experience and I thought I didn't really participate in any extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. And that was what made me feel like the worst about my high school Mm -hmm. experience. You know, I had gotten into university. Sorry? No, I was just going to say, maybe that's why you were so stressed in grade 12 because you didn't have an outlet. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Right. Because everything just feels so like there's only one thing I care about is my grades. And if your grades don't turn out well, then there's nothing you can turn to. Mm -hmm. I've been there. Yeah. And that's tough. Like the grades you need to have, I noticed obviously throughout university, I learned you have to have a balance. Your grades can't be everything. And if it is, then you go crazy. (laughs) 100%. And yeah. And so when I went to university, I was like, I don't want to have this mindset. I want to make sure that I participate in other things so I can reflect back on university and remember everything. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like, Since I've graduated from university, no job or really any experience has relied so heavily on my grades. I barely pull up my transcript. 
I mean, to get into grad school, you do need to submit grades. So I yeah, did well, make sure yeah. that I had the minimum. <laughs> but yeah, and so I really participated in a lot of extracurricular activities, really enjoyed it, and just kept doing my classes. I would guess a lot, not going to lie on my exams, and it really got me through sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but through that experience, I, I just learned so much. I, I learned what I was good at, what I was bad at. I learned how to work with people. And all these things are still things I reflect on now. Like I can remember times I'll think back to working on a team in third year and being like, there's stuff I learned from that. I need to now bring that to this table, the table that I'm working at now. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you have opportunities like that, you should definitely take advantage of them. But yeah, and so that's, throughout my undergrad, I had also taken quite a bit of chemistry courses, like more than the average biology student. So I did have more of a familiarity with organic chemistry specifically, because I'd taken some lab courses um, Mm -hmm. and extra organic courses. So I knew that I kind of like did have an interest in it, but I actually really hated chemistry overall (laughs) before that. I actually did so poorly in grade 12 chemistry, but I wouldn't have gotten that. accepted. I remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like my, my grades were in the 60s. I would not have gotten accepted to university. <sighs> and so I had to retake chemistry in grade 12, I remember, on the second oh, wow. semester to improve my marks so that they could replace it. And then I could get accepted to university. <laughs> so I am not. Who would have thought, eh? It's always the failure. It's always the failures, eh? Like you think, oh, I'm never going to be able to do it again. But if you failed grade 12 chemistry, you're now working in a chemistry lab. Like, yeah. that's so amazing, you know? Uh, yeah. And it's just, you know, it wasn't, and even in university first year, I just was like, oh, I don't care. I'm not doing chemistry. I'm only doing biology. So I just <laughs> need to get through first year. Got like a 60 again. And I was like, doesn't matter. And then in second year, when I took organic chemistry with Brian, I got an A, which was shocking because yeah. I did not expect that. But yeah. I mean, Brian's a really good professor oh, and yeah. teacher. And yeah, he he's did, amazing. Yeah, he made it such that I could, I could understand it. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this isn't bad. And so that's why I took more courses with him. And I got a better understanding and appreciation for chemistry. And then through that process, I learned, you know, I don't really like research in biomedical sciences or biology. Like, it's cool, but I don't know if this is something I really want to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I didn't really pursue research in that field. And so after I graduated from my undergrad, I actually just decided I don't want to do research anymore. And I had just been like, okay, I want to get a job. And so luckily, very thankfully, I got a job at the SDZ as a project manager. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a year and it was great. But within like the first four months, I realized that I missed school. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, when you're an undergrad, you're just going from thing to thing. You're just going from a lab to a tutorial to a lecture, going home to study for your exam, doing your exam, getting a lab report in. Like, you're just doing so much. You're just trying to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. And you don't really learn in depth about things and get an, a real appreciation for the science, oh, yeah. and how, like, how amazing it really is. And so I, I really felt that, you know, I didn't get to, it wasn't it. Like, that wasn't going to be the end of my educational journey. And so I... Mm-hmm. I talked to Ryan and I said, hey, I'm really interested in grad school. What do you think? And he was working with an industry partner at the time. And they were working on a project, uh, a waste digestion project. So it was kind of a bit of chemistry, a bit of biology, a bit of engineering. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like it's a whole bunch of things. There's a real world application that I could look at. And so I started off grad school by being on that project. But that quickly fell through. So about six Mm -hmm. months into grad school. I had to decide 
like, what am I going to do now? And like, am I going to just go and do biology research again? Or am I going to stay with chemistry? And at that point, I reflected on my, my, I guess, dislike for chemistry and how much I had struggled <laughs> with it before. And I realized that I want to push myself to get over that. Because there were so many times in undergrad when I took courses where, where I was in the lab, where I was like, oh, chemistry is cool. And I was just so blinded by my high school experience yeah where I just thought like oh I just hate chemistry I hate chemistry I'm so bad at it mm-hmm. and I just wanted to challenge myself and just be like look it's a master's it's two years I can push myself through it and yeah. so yeah I told Brian okay I'll go full into the chemistry and I did and I loved it so much so far that I decided to transfer to the PhD program and now I will be doing this for the foreseeable future that's so amazing too like I love that uh, you overcame that voice in your head, you know, there, you, everybody has that voice that tells you, you can't do it, you can't do it, or <clears throat> your past experiences, you might have something bad that had happened, yeah. and you just, you get in the way of yourself, you know, because it shows that. right now that you did such an amazing job just by telling yourself, you know what, I can't do it, <laughs> so yeah. good on you, that's amazing. Yeah, and like, I think even just, you know, teachers matter, and sometimes oh, the teacher, professor, for sure. have, yeah, like, they don't, they might not be the right person for you. Their teaching style mm-hmm. might not be the right person for you. And that was definitely my high school chemistry teacher. Like my brother had him as well. And my brother was like, he's my favorite teacher. I do so well in his class. Like he was getting nineties yeah. and I was like out here barely getting sixties. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, I don't like him at all. And it was just teaching style. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was just lucky that I ended up getting great professors in university who really like even if it was a biology professor they always made you feel like no you can't do it and I remember just second year all the professors I had were so fantastic and they all really took time to teach us but also to teach us about life and how there's Mm -hmm. more to this than just learning it's learning about yourself while you're also learning about science and so I'm just lucky that it worked out the way it did because now I'm getting a greater appreciation for chemistry and learning about like the way things work and that was the reason why I loved science to begin with yeah that, it's so great too because it's funny how you said you chose Ryerson due to the class mm-hmm. sizes because that was also a big factor for myself when I was choosing my program so yeah. when I toured Ryerson and I saw that the classes were a lot smaller I knew I would get that a more like a higher interaction with the professors which was something that was really important to me so I find it very funny that you felt the exact same way yeah I think a lot of people do I think that's why we're we're all a little bit like-minded and why we yeah. get along. All right. Well, I think you answered a lot. I had a lot of questions here to ask you, but I feel like we kind of answered them within our uh, little conversation there. So I'll just ask you this then. Uh, what did you want to be as a kid? Did you have a job or anything mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. I mean, it. I think it changed quite a bit, but one constant was I always wanted to like be an architect because I enjoyed drawing and I was like, wouldn't it be amazing to like get a building that you made? And so that was something that I was really interested in for a while. I also wanted to be a teacher sometimes. I would pretend to be reading. Like I wanted to be like a grade one teacher or something. So I'd pretend <laughs> at home that I was reading to the class. So I would do that. And yeah, those were like the real things. And then I, those are mainly just like the things I wanted to do when I was in elementary school. And then in middle school, I had no real goal. And then in mm-hmm. high school, 
I didn't know either. Like I actually just didn't know what careers are out there because I was the first, I'm the oldest in my family and my parents immigrated here. And so things are very different and the career opportunities and options are very different. And so we weren't really sure about, honestly, we barely knew enough about university. Like it was a miracle that I got here. And so like, I did not know that being a professor is a job or being a research assistant is a job. I didn't know what a PhD was. And so for quite a bit of my life, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just kind of knew the kind of person I wanted to be. And I think, yeah, I think that's kind of where I am right now too, where um, I was talking to my committee the other day and I was saying like, you know, I'm interested in, I'm definitely interested in entrepreneurship as my lifelong goal and to go back into running companies but you know that's not like that's not going to be me just working in one field or having a role but it's more about the kind of person I want to be I want to be someone who thinks innovatively someone who can rise up to the challenge and who has all these different skill sets I think that's really cool because it's so hard some people you know they put themselves in this box and it's like I have to be this and then through like university for myself too, I realized, okay, I know that these are the things I like and I want a job that's like this. And I think more people should also think like that. And just like how you're describing, think about the type of person that you want to be, because you may find higher success rates in your job if you're focusing on, okay, what do I like versus, okay, I have to be a lawyer or I have to be this. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still okay to, like some people need goals and I understand that, but I think it's really important to also just figure out what you want because sometimes we put ourselves in boxes, you know? Okay, so what do you spend most of your time doing as a student at Ryerson? Yeah, so as a graduate student, under normal circumstances, you're usually just based out of your lab. And most of the time, what I'll do is I will start my day with, it really just depends the way that you've kind of structured your experiments. So there's going to be times when you have a super intense experiment and you have to start at like 8 a.m. And then there's times when it's a little bit more relaxed and you just like, you can kind of start a little bit later and you can spend time doing other things. So that definitely does change things quite a bit is what your experiments look like for the day or for the week. But what I would say is I spend some time in the morning, usually like on my computer doing emails and looking through all that stuff. And then I'll start my experiments and then during any breaks that I have, because a lot of times you'll start an experiment, but it'll run for like an hour or two hours. And then I will read papers because we usually have group meetings or I'm just trying to learn about a topic and, and then just finish off experiments. And sometimes I have to go to a class, but I'm done all my courses and there's not many that I had to take. I only had to take three. And often throughout the week, as a graduate student, you do have to TA, which does take up quite a bit of time because you know, you spend about four hours that day actually being in the lab and then you have to mark stuff. So you spend some time doing that throughout the week. We have TA meetings where we talk with the techs to learn about what's going on that week. So that does take up quite a bit of time. And then we also have seminars. So as graduate students, we have to go to weekly seminars. Um, They're twice a week. And on Mondays, we have a seminar where we have a fellow graduate student that will speak about their research And then on Thursdays, we have a guest lecture, um, someone from outside the university who will talk about what they're doing. And those are mandatory. We have to go. And so, yeah, so when you kind of account for all of that, that's what we're doing. There's some off tasks that you also have to do. So sometimes you'll be preparing for a conference. So we'll spend some time making your poster or practicing your presentation. Sometimes you have a presentation for just a seminar or something that you'll be doing. 
Um, and then sometimes we do like workshops or we go and visit other universities and work with their students, which is always fun. I enjoy doing that. So yeah, that's a little bit of everything, I guess, that we do. Well, I guess you were saying how your undergraduate is uh, super busy, but it sounds like graduate school is a lot busier than in your undergrad. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's a different busy. And I think like, I would say that the difference between undergrad and grad school, and I mean, realistically in grad school, I think you might be the same level of busy, but the responsibility is higher um, yep. because you are expected as a graduate student, like, you know, you do have to help out undergrads or help out other people in your lab. And then you're teeing students and a lot of times you have to help them. But what the great thing is, is that when you're a graduate student, everything that you're working on is centered around the topic that you're researching. So even if you're reading papers, even if you're writing papers, you're going to conferences, all this stuff is around that one topic or those couple of topics that you're looking at. And so it's nice because you are learning quite a bit about that and you're becoming an expert as opposed to an undergrad when you're like, this class is about biochemistry, whereas that class is about, I don't know, something different. Yeah, it's just, it's more general and this research is more, more specified. I like that aspect of it too. Speaking of which, uh, what is your favorite part of being a student and what is your least liked part, I guess? It's definitely learning. Just like every time I'm learning, whether it's just like from a one-on-one meeting with Brian or if we're in a seminar or at a conference, just learning a new concept or topic or even if it's something small where like I put the two ideas together, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It's just it's so amazing because I feel like, wow, like I would have never known that. And I just, I just love the learning. I love learning how things work, what they actually mean in the long run. And that, that's my favorite part. Like as a graduate student, honestly, like I'm not a big fan of doing bench research. Like it's probably my least favorite part to do about like my day-to-day tasks. I'm like, I really do have to push myself to get into it. But when I'm doing it, like let's say I learn like something through my experiment that just makes the whole day worth it even if it was like a nine hour day just learning that little bit makes me really excited because I just feel like wow like I have this little bit of information that I would have never known before yeah it sounds like you really like learning because I guess that's the whole reason why you went back to school you said right you missed the learning yeah for sure what do you think are the most important transferable skills that every student should have I would say communication because it's multifaceted. Communication in the sense of being able to talk about what you're doing is really important, especially as scientists. And I mean, we're just seeing it over and over again, right? Like with COVID, being able to properly communicate the risks of hanging out with people or what this virus even is, is so critical, especially for science students. And especially for science students who might come from a family where their family members are not scientists and then you kind of have to now be able to communicate with people who you know you don't want to tell off or anything and so you have to be able to strongly communicate what is actually going on in the world and you know for our research it's all about climate change and we need to be able to communicate why we need to be tackling this problem now or why we should have been tackling it a long time ago but outside of just being able to communicate science. I think being able to communicate with people about your feelings is so critical. And it's just something that, honestly, are we ever taught how to do this? Not really. But talking about in a workplace, 
and I've seen this so many times where you're just not like someone's just upset at somebody else or someone thinks that someone else said something rude or whatever it might be being able to properly communicate that to someone and that person being receptive would just solve the problem right and so having that open communication and being able to just be like very calm and collected about it is just so important and you know something that like I struggle with quite a bit myself and because I'm always like oh I don't want to upset someone I don't want to make them upset Mm -hmm. like if I if I give them criticism I don't want to make them feel bad about themselves but you know that's poor communication too because I'm not helping them become better Mm -hmm. and so yeah I think communication because it is so multifaceted well, it's interesting that you say that too, because I may be wrong, but lots of people on the podcast have said the exact same skill. And I completely yeah. agree 100% that communication, because without communication, the science is, I guess, redundant in a sense, because if you can't share it with other people, then, yeah. you know, and you're going to be working with people wherever you go. So being able to interact with others in a professional manner is really important. Yeah. And I mean, even like, I I just said communicating to people who might not have a science background, but even being able to communicate to people who do have a science background is something so important. And like, you know, you see it when you're talking to your peers, like I always will gravitate to the people who gave me a a good explanation. And, you know, before I always used to think like, oh, they're just so smart. Like I'm stupid. I don't understand it. But no, they're just not communicating it properly to me because I do (laughs) have the ability to understand it. You just, the person needs to be able to take time to talk about it or communicate it in a way that somebody else who doesn't know a lot of that stuff will be able to understand it. Oh, for sure. So um, I guess we'll move on to the rapid fire section of today. So I'm just going to, the last questions I asked you, I guess were a bit more deep. These ones are kind of simple and quick and you can take a few seconds to kind of put you on the spot some of them. So I'll just ask you them. Okay. Okay. Okay, so what factoid do my colleagues know least about me? I think it's how I have a pretty big creative side to myself that really fuels me. I guess a creative and an entrepreneurial side. Those two kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah, I've had two startups so far that I've run. And I spend quite a bit of time learning new creative things like new ways to draw I spend a lot of time making a lot of time working on presentations to make them look to look really nice, but also to communicate really well what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah, I've like I just really have I spend quite a bit of time like even on my own notes, like yeah. trying to make them look nice and work on that. I've been really interested in bullet journals, which Tavni talked about. I don't like to make my own bullet journal because I like <laughs> to write on my iPad, but I love looking yeah, at yeah. people's stuff on Instagram and then making like my own stuff from that and like being inspired by that and then like I recently started um, an Instagram account where I'm like sharing that because I was like you know I want to I want to continue this being my outlet and continuing to okay cool yeah like continuing to just be creative in my daily life and I really try to incorporate that into my work because being a graduate student like you know the hours are pretty long and you like when you're in the heat of things like I recently had a committee meeting and for about like two weeks straight that was all that was at the top of the list that's all I was focusing on all the time like I was just randomly thinking about it throughout the day and I had to find ways to feel creative throughout that process and so you know I would pull out my Mm -hmm. iPad and I would start drawing like pretty headers that I could put on my notes (laughs) and like highlighting it in such a way that it looks nicer and just being creative like that really helps me 
And so it's not something I talk about very often, but it's something I'm trying to embrace more now and continue to bring it into my science. Yeah, that's so interesting. I remember you led one of our journal club meetings and was it last week or the week before? But anyway, you had your iPad and the doodles. It was very helpful. It was very easy to follow along. And I really appreciated that. So. That's awesome. I'm glad. Yeah, that's my goal, really, is just to like, to use that kind of stuff. Because, you know, science always just like papers are just so like, so many lines of work. Oh, yeah. Right. And I'm hoping that through like my drawings and stuff, I can take that science and make it just look more approachable. And even for myself, like it just helps me so much more. It makes me enjoy it a lot more. And so, yeah, I'm really glad I kind of figured that out over the past year because it's just made me really excited to take notes and to start my work really at the beginning of the day. That's great. That's really great. Okay. So what famous person, current or otherwise, would you most likely want to go to dinner with and why? Yeah, I've heard this question on the <laughs> podcast so many times, and every time I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know." Uh, same. I don't even have an answer for this for my, myself either. Do you have anyone? Or honestly, if I had the opportunity, I would meet with anybody. Like, if it was <laughs> like a basketball player or an actor or um, a scientist, really, just so you're I like, would be it, it doesn't matter. Just send me with anyone for dinner yeah. as long as you uh, got the bill finished I'm just kidding <laughs> exactly exactly it just because like <laughs> you know it's just so interesting to learn about people's lives I love learning about people's lives and yeah. hearing about their experiences and like I have so many questions for people I can ask them questions <laughs> all day long and I think that's a great trait to have though yeah it's something I realized helped you know as an undergrad actually that's mm. when I decided because when you're an undergrad it's just so awkward meeting people and talking to them and like especially mm-hmm. professors or even grad students. I always used to feel so uncomfortable, but I found that by just having questions and they can be general questions. You don't need to ask about like, oh, tell me about your science and what's yeah. so great. <laughs> like literally just, I would ask people like, so what's one thing you like about grad school? What's one thing you think that I should be trying to work towards? Mm-hmm. And you know, you learn about their life story through that. And then you also gain a bit of insight from them. And there's advice that you can choose to take or not take. But it helped me quite a bit through undergrad experiences when I didn't have a big network and I felt really awkward. And since then, like, I've just now gotten pretty good at asking questions. And I could, you know, sometimes you're in an awkward conversation. And so (laughs) I can usually just like ask my questions and kind of get through it without too many problems. And also, I just find that like, you know, you'll ask people questions and then you'll feel like, oh my God, that conversation was so awkward. It was so like uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. and horribly. But that person will come and talk to you again the next time. And yeah. I just think it's because you made them feel comfortable. And by asking them questions, showing that you're interested in them, you know, they'll, they'll remember you. All right. Next question. What is your favorite food? Pizza. What type just of pizza? my all-time favorite. Like, honestly, it can have, I like my pizza to have green peppers banana peppers, red onions, and so many green olives, like so many green olives, just very specific. Oh, yeah. (laughs) My family would know what I'm talking about. (laughs) They hate sharing pizza with me because I ask them for extra olives every time. And oh, that's how you do it. Yeah, you get a whole pizza to yourself. (laughs) Basically, that's, that's how I win every time because no one in my life likes green olives as much as I do. But yeah, that's the way I like my pizza. And what is your favorite beverage? 
an ice cold Coca-Cola poured over ice. <laughs> I will take Pepsi, no problem. <laughs> oh, oh, so you can taste the difference or you can, but you just don't care. Yeah, I can taste the difference, but I don't really care. <laughs> I think they're both great. What is your favorite color? Blue, 100% blue. Mm, I love that. If I was not a student, I would like to be. I mean, it's kind of cheating because I would just say like a business owner, but I am one right now. <laughs> so that's not, I guess that's not really answering the question. Okay, so if I was none of those things right now, I would probably be doing freelance work, which is also owning a business. So cheating mm-hmm. again, but freelance <laughs> design work. Well, at least it kind of sounds like you're in the right spot because if you would not like to be really anything else and that's, you're in the right <laughs> place. Exactly. And what's something that's in the top 10 of your bucket list? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think it's definitely scaling a company to the point where like we have regular customers and where we're like at a place where we can financially support the company or like the company is supporting itself. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's one of my top 10. I think that would be like right now when I just reflected on it, I think that's something that I would really enjoy because mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's starting a company is extremely difficult and growing is very difficult. And yeah. just the entire process is difficult. And I think you feel very accomplished. So I would enjoy oh, For that. sure. I'm faithful that you will do it too. I, find, I feel like you will do it. You, I can see it. I can Thanks, feel it. Steph. I appreciate that. <laughs> what is your greatest achievement? That's a good question. I don't know. It's a tough one. I think that's a tough one. Yeah, I don't know. I was honestly telling my mom the other day, like, you know, like once this my pastry transfer process kind of goes through and it's all official and stuff. And then like when I get to my defense point and I actually defend, I was like, that will be my greatest achievement. Yeah. But I haven't actually reflected on what my greatest achievement so far is. Okay. I think I know what it is. I think it's um, when I was an undergrad and before that, like a lot of people thought I was very shy and quiet mm-hmm. and like, I would never really raise my voice or say my opinions. And mm-hmm. you know, I would notice like, Oh, I had this great idea. Why didn't I just share it? And I was just very, very not outspoken. But I knew that as a person, and like when I was with my friends, I was like that. I was very loud. I was very outgoing in my family. I'm the most talkative person. And it was, it was something I had to really, really like work on. I had to bring mm-hmm. out this personality that I knew that I had. And I had to actually exhibit it when I was in places where like I was at school or if I was working with people. Yeah. And I think now, like definitely or for the past couple of years, I'm, quite confident like walking into any room really I mean of course you get nervous sometimes if you're giving like a pitch or a presentation but overall like I just I feel so much more confident and comfortable in myself and you know that's thanks to a lot of the people that like supported me along the way like my friends my peers my Mm -hmm. mentors a lot of them like they gave me opportunities to shine like speaking opportunities or jobs and then they also supported me along the way and so that, I think that's my greatest achievement because I'm quite happy that I'm, I am who I am now. That's so amazing. That's great. Yeah, because I would never take you for a shy person. And I don't mean that in yeah. the wrong way. I just, I would never think, I would have thought you would have been like this your whole life. Yeah. And I mean, I was <laughs> just not in front of everybody, but I knew yeah. I wanted to be in front of everybody. Yeah. And so many people are like that too, eh? Like a lot of friends that I have and stuff, it's like, you know, they get out of their shell when they're around you type of thing, but for sure, no problem being that way. But I think that's really cool that you've overcome that. Yeah, I think it really just depends, you know, if it's something that bothers you, because it bothered Mm -hmm. me. But if it doesn't bother you, then roll with it. Because (laughs) 
like I, you know but like people who are very loud and outgoing though do need to factor in that other people are a little bit more quiet so you kind of need to make sure that you're hearing them still and that's something I always have to remind myself to do for sure so to contrast with that what was your greatest failure if you have one <sighs> yeah I mean everyone has lots of failures there's been a couple I think in every like season of your life I guess you could say like yeah yeah my first one was definitely like that high school chemistry yeah like, I knew horrible. I thought you would say that I thought you yeah would say it it really like made me anxious about chemistry for so long probably mm-hmm. I don't think I got over it until last year when I started my master's and no way. like yeah so that was like what my entire undergrad because like I would hate chemistry labs because I remember yeah. in grade 12 chemistry I was always so nervous that one day when we were in the lab, we were doing a titration experiment and I broke the burette because <laughs> I was just so stressed out and nervous that I was going to do poorly on the lab yeah. that I ended up breaking the burette and then hydrochloric acid was spilling all over the place. Thankfully, oh, no. it was extremely, extremely diluted. So it was fine. Nothing was going to happen. But like, it was just horrible. And like, I broke it and I felt horrible. And I like, was like, well, I can't do these chemistry labs. Like, and in mm-hmm. university, I was just so nervous about every single chemistry lab. I just remember like first year organic chemistry, everything. And I would always want my lab partner to do everything unless it was something yep. easy. Yeah. Anytime there's like a chance of like a spill happening or anything that could possibly go wrong, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. My favorite experiment in second year organic yeah. chemistry was the melting point one because there's no way you're going to mess that up. <laughs> Nothing's going to go wrong there. And so that's when I was like, I will do that. No problem. Um, oh my gosh so, yeah that was like in that I guess that part of my life and then yeah but now I've gone over it so I'm it turned into something great so I'm glad well I guess I could ask you next then what are you most grateful for the people in my life like my friends my family yeah. my mentors they I'm so lucky that like I think every person in my life plays a role and I'm very thankful for that because it's like I'm just you know, there's nothing, no person in my life that I wish I had right now. I feel like I'm just so lucky to have all these right people. If there's ever a problem that I'm facing, I know that there's somebody I can talk to about it, whether it's school related or life related. I just, I'm really thankful that there's all the people I need. And then, you know, if there's, even if there's not someone to talk to a problem about, like I just have people I like to hang out with. Like the other day I was hanging out with my cousins um, Mm -hmm. in a safe way. And it was just like, I remember I was sitting there, I was like, oh, this is so fun. Like, I'm just relaxed. And it was during the time when I was preparing for my meeting and I was super stressed out. Yeah. But I was like, it's just nice to hang out with these people and enjoy time with my family members. So I'm quite thankful for that. Yeah. It's important to have support in your life. Yeah. I guess to contrast with for that, what concerns you the most? Mm, about myself or about the world? I'm not sure. I guess just in general, maybe let's say about about yourself because the world right now is kind of a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, yeah, it's weird in some ways, good in some ways. I don't know. <laughs> it's um, just weird. It's not good or bad. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been it's been interesting. It's going to be fun to reflect back on this. Oh well. I hope things are better. And so besides that, oh for yeah. sure, yeah. We'll, we will eventually, but. Um, besides that what concerns you the most when you stay in school for a long time it can kind of feel like you're not moving forward in your life Mm. like you know I won't be done my graduate school for quite some time 
and you know, there's no timeline. There's no fixed timeline. There. Yeah. We all saw how COVID completely derailed everything. And everyone, mm-hmm. most graduate students are pushing everything back by a semester. And it might be more now. Who knows? Yeah. And so I think just when you kind of go down that rabbit hole of thinking like, oh, I'm like, I'm still in school. What am I doing? When a lot of your peers might have had jobs for a long time, or they might have like started their companies and are like, have had time to actually mm-hmm. focus on it. And so they're growing it. A lot of times you feel like, like you're just stuck. And so I think yeah. that's a little bit scary, you know, cause you're not advancing necessarily in the traditional way in your career. You know, grad school yeah. does not make you rich. You're not <laughs> saving money for that beautiful house that you want. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of that, I think sometimes just like freaks you out a bit. And like, I always just go into like plan, plan, plan mode where I'm like, no, no, no. I have to make sure that I get everything done. I want to accomplish all my goals. And yeah. I like that about myself because I'm driven, but also I can get really, really um, frustrated and feel a, a bit like, oh, like I'm not accomplishing my goals, blah, blah. And so I think I just need to not let that get to myself. But Yeah, no, that's completely understandable, especially just with the whole social media and our generation, like the comparison, it's just really real. Yeah, I sure. find. Yeah, it's tough. 100%. Okay. What spot in the world do you most like traveling to? I really loved Italy. Loved it so much because wow. I love Italian food and Italy's just beautiful. Oh, yeah. Pizza. I went, That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, my second favorite food is pasta. So, but I think I would actually say the mountains out west in Canada. Yeah, that's my spot for yeah. sure. They're just, oh, they're so breathtaking and like, I remember the first time I went up a mountain and like the first time you go up a mountain is just so amazing. Like you keep thinking mm-hmm. as you're going up the mountain, like, wow, this looks so awesome. But just wait till <laughs> you get to the top. It is so wild. Yeah. And I, I loved it. I really, really want to go back again very soon. <laughs> well, I hope you do. You will get out there. Don't worry. Yeah. What is your most productive time of day? Morning. I love mornings. <laughs> love them so much although most people say that (laughs) yeah I mean it's a fresh start your brain is a little bit more awake but recently I actually have been like and I think this was a little bit stress induced but over the past few weeks as I was preparing for my my committee meeting like every day at like 8 p.m I would all of a sudden have like this stress panic attack where I'd be like Mm -hmm. I don't know enough this isn't gonna go well and then I would just go into work mode and I'd be like on fire for like two hours which was a little bit weird I would say it's not really how I am normally but my favorite time of the day is definitely morning because it's peaceful and I love having my coffee and getting started it is peaceful that is a good part about the morning yeah okay what is your favorite hobby I love making things so I'm gonna just call it making things because it's just so broad but I love doing (laughs) that like I like making decorations for my room like okay I've been spending a lot of time upgrading it a bit, like making my yeah, study yeah. area look quite nice um, and putting things up. And then I like making things on my iPad, like drawing. I've been drawing yeah. flowers quite a bit and I hope to like print all this stuff so I can put them into picture frames. I like to make like posters and like different graphic work. So yeah, I like to just make things. Just the creativity behind it, like you were describing before. That's probably yeah. what it is, right? That's yeah, amazing. Sure. Yeah, I'm not creative, so I just am amazed by people that can do things like that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I'm going to move on into a little bit about COVID. I just want to know how you're coping and how you're doing during COVID. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can't complain. Like, I'm very lucky. There has been nothing that, like, nothing has, nothing bad has happened in my life, right? Like, yeah, everything in terms of school has been pushed back and we were, like, stuck at home for so long. But overall, like, I'm quite lucky that, like, nobody my family's okay so that was fine I think at the beginning of COVID during like the intense lockdown period it Mm -hmm. did get a little bit there's just times when I'd be productive times when I would just feel like oh my god when is this gonna be over Mm -hmm. and overall like what I found was helpful actually which I never engage in is exercise I would just like spend an hour a day doing stuff I really enjoyed that and it was because like I felt like it was progress like you know, I would try, I tried yoga. And Mm -hmm. after a week, I got better at doing certain positions. And so yes, I felt like I was progressing towards something. So that was quite nice. And then I just, I got really just deep into learning about a lot of stuff. And at the end of the day, COVID ended up being a really, really good time for me to reflect on my goals, what I want to do, what really matters to me. And like, I probably wouldn't have been doing a PhD or trying to get into the PhD program if COVID didn't happen. Yeah. And yeah, it just, at the end of the day, it ended up being quite good for me. And like, so I'm quite lucky in that fact, but coping with it really just doing the exercise helped. I I liked to learn new things and skills. So I would watch a Mm -hmm. lot of like those Skillshare videos. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And I mean, just like every other person on the planet, I baked a lot. (laughs) and yeah, and so I just got a lot of time to relax. And I, I enjoyed that. And I think at the end of the day, in terms of coping, like, you know, when, when I started to go into these spirals, like, I would just think, you know, like, okay, everyone around me is safe. This will be over eventually. Yeah. We're helping. We're trying to help keep our society safe. And so, yeah. And I mean, now, you know, things have really loosened up. And COVID's definitely not gone by any means. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The summer weather is just helping so much. Like, you can actually oh, yeah. go outside. It's so nice and it scares me for the fall. I definitely get afraid of what's going to happen after. But just being able to sit outside, do my work, go on walks is quite nice. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for us to have that self-talk that you were just describing. The You know what? Like, it's okay just to ground yourself because I feel that we all kind of get off track just with everything that's going on. Yeah. What would you say is your biggest challenge for COVID? Like, I don't really mind being at home as long as I have Mm -hmm. things to do. So it didn't really bother me. Honestly, like, I just hated grocery shopping. It was the worst experience. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty overwhelming. It it was very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I'd say that was, when I reflected back on it, like, every time I'd have to go to the grocery store, I would just be so stressed out, first waiting in line, sanitizing everything, being afraid of touching anything, following the arrows and like just the way yeah. that the stores had just completely changed you know yeah and that's when it really scares you yeah it really scares you then because it's like it's so different than before and for, for me it's like you have to plan like I don't know what the lineups are like near your house but it's not like you can just go get something no. it's like okay well it's gonna take me like an hour to get into the store and then we're gonna yeah. be waiting in line to cash out so yeah that's that's definitely I can relate to that yeah that was I think really stressful because then you know people I mean, like, it's not like you're going around talking to every single person in a store yeah. usually, but people will smile at you or something, but, like, I can't see people's faces anymore. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that was just scary because I felt like, what kind of world are we living in right yeah. now? It, just, now, it does feel like a movie. <laughs> yeah. Now when I see people wearing masks, I'm very happy about it because it yeah. means that we're all taking the appropriate measures to keep each other safe. Um, but when it first started happening, I was like, oh my God, this is so weird. Like, I just feel so bizarre. It was bizarre. And I think you might have answered this, but with your transition to your PhD, but do you have another silver lining for this pandemic? Yeah, I finally got time to do things that I had always wanted to do, but I didn't know I wanted to do them. And I just needed time to reflect on it. Like, so, you know, staying in graduate school is something I always wanted to do. And there was always a part of me that was like, oh, I don't want to finish my master's. Like, I really enjoy this. But the other part of me was like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I want to do that. And graduate school gave me a really good time to reflect on how I can do both. And it really, these past couple of months, I really had a time, had the time to think about how I don't want to stop graduate school right now. Like, I just don't think mm-hmm. that that's, it's, I'm going to feel sad about it. And it kind of really settled in. Like, I, I really do, I'm very serious about staying in this. And then also, I got a chance to reflect on some of the entrepreneurial and creative things that I can still do while being committed to being a graduate student. And so I think that was really it. Is it when everything kind of stopped, I was no longer being distracted by the million things that were going on. I was just focusing on what really matters to me. And yeah. so that was the silver lining, I think. I think that's a great way to end it. I don't have any more questions for you, but I'm just going to ask you one more thing. Yeah. Do you have any words of wisdom or any quotes that you want to finish off with for our listeners? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know what the demographic here is, but (laughs) is it like largely undergrads or? I think we're trying to aim towards students in general, mostly undergrads. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So what I would say, what I've learned over the past couple of years and mostly this year is the seeds that you plant, they will all grow at different rates, but they will grow. And what I mean by that is the work that you put in now to network, to meet with people, to create new projects, you might not see the benefits right away, but you will eventually. And it might be 10 years down the line. It might be a couple of months down the line, but it, does come back to you the positivity that you put out there does come back to you and like an example of that is like this year we I had so many opportunities to work on all these cool projects that came about just from things that I had done before like two three years ago and I would have never thought that it would have come around like this but Mm -hmm. because I had been you know making good connections keeping these connections up and just continuing to always try to do a good job it came back and so I think just really focusing on that and not getting stuck in reaping the benefits right away but just Mm -hmm. thinking again about that person that you want to be working on things that will get you to being that person and planting those seeds they'll grow they'll grow eventually and they grow at different rates for everybody but at the end of the day you end up in the position that you should be in Mm -hmm. I think Brian's really gonna like that because I know he's a big believer in pay it forward so yeah he really is Well, thanks so much, Rita. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. Thanks for having me. It was great. Oh, of course. (laughs) I'm happy I know you a little bit better now. And I hope that we can have you on the podcast in the future again sometime. Yeah, for sure. And if anyone ever has any questions for me or something, you can find me online, I guess, like on Twitter or email me.
I'd be happy to chat with anyone if they ever have any questions or things they want to talk about or advice on the theme of paying it forward. I'm very happy to pay it forward. <laughs> we'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.